Thank you, ladies. Philippians 2, and you can follow along if you want or just listen as I read these verses. And, and these came to mind as they were actually singing these verses somewhat. Philippians 2, verse 7, And he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled him himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is, is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things on, in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father, exalting Jesus Christ, exalting God the Father, but you'll not be able to do that if you have not given your life to him. If you've not recognized that you were born in sin and you've kept up that work, because that's what we as sinners do, uh, realizing there's nothing in yourself that can get you to heaven or to have get your sins forgiven, get that load of uh, guilt off of your back. Nothing in yourself, no matter how good, and no matter what, uh, how good a person you are, how often you're here in these, these uh, seats, how often you read God's word, if you do not place your faith in Jesus Christ, say, thank you, uh, forgive me, Lord, thank you for saving me from my sin. Uh, that is the way. And the only way to heaven, and, and that's what Paul expresses here in Philippians. We are in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and nobody would notice this except me. We skip chapter 11. Uh, if you read chapter 11, you might figure out why I skipped it. It was talking about leaders, and I wasn't really wanting to go there. So uh, we skipped, went to chapter 12, author... Scott Peck, in his bestseller, The Road Less Traveled, he began the book with these three words. Life is difficult. Okay, we got a witness, thank you. It's probably only one, right, in here that realizes that life is difficult. Uh, Charles Stanley, I think it's him, would say, can I get a witness? And, and those that know this is true would say amen and if I ask those that know this is true say amen I, that we would all well maybe some of the younger kids maybe they don't see life as difficult or uh, only if they have an easy teacher in school but uh, probably they know this too that uh, life is difficult and if you haven't experienced it yet you probably will uh, if you Someone was asking this morning for a Wednesday prayer sheet, and uh, I, I intended to bring mine, but if you go online, you can see that prayer sheet at uh, our webpage, and you'll know that life is difficult for a lot of people, and you go through our list of cancer, uh, those uh, going through the cancer treatments and everything. 
you would you would say, hey, life is difficult for a lot of people. You go through the other lists that those that are ill with other illnesses or those that have lost their spouses recently. or uh, You know, you, life is difficult. That's why Paul writes 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And there are some important information about pain here. And that's the title of the message this morning is, Ouch! Because we all experience pain. And we will, it's not done yet, folks. Unless the, well, you hear a trumpet, then you can shout uh, hallelujah because pain will be gone. But until that trumpet blows and there's a shout from the archangel, uh, we're going to continue to have pain. So some lessons about pain in this chapter, and he gives us the picture of pain, first of all. Here's the picture in verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. We didn't read those verses in the first verses there in chapter 12. Tells us that 14 years ago, Paul is saying, 14 years ago. He's kept this. We have not heard a thing about 14 years ago in Paul's life until right here. And here he reveals something to us that is amazing. He said, uh, I know a man... And he's talking about himself, but he's learned the lesson. He's not going to boast about this. And the reason is verse 7. He's not going to boast about this. But 14 years ago, I was taken to heaven. And he, he talks in the third person. But I was caught up to the third heaven. And uh, I was, in verse 4, up to paradise, into paradise. Must have been beautiful. He probably hated to come back. And then he said, I heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful or permitted. I'm not permitted to utter these words. Uh, and so, because lest I be exalted because of these revelations, uh, you know, normally he would come back, he would write a book and say, this is what I saw in glory and this is why I was good enough to get to go see it. Wouldn't, would that be the title of your book? You know, Why I Deserve to Go to See God in Glory. And Paul says, ah, I'm not even going to really tell you it's me, except he, he does kind of here. But verse 7, he draws this picture of pain, lest he be exalted. But this is the picture. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Lest I should be exalted above measure. Uh, there is a purpose for pain, and we probably will not get there. Uh, you'll, you'll catch it through the rest of the message this morning. But the picture of pain is a thorn in the flesh. And thorn here, it's, uh, in the Greek, it means something pointed. It's not necessarily a thorn, but it can be a thorn. It could be a stake uh, driven into his, uh, uh, his body or, or it could be uh, something sharp is what it is talking about. Uh, at the pointed end of a fish hook, if you're a fisherman, that could be uh, the thorn in the flesh here. If you've got little sisters, you know what a thorn in the flesh is right here. Um, here, it means impaled, impaled, 
Something that's severe, though. Not so much, you know, I got a, an owie here. I've got a sliver here, and I just can't get it out. That's not what he's talking about here. It's steadfast anguish. And he, he enlarges on it by saying, it is something that buffets me. It beats me. It pummels me. It makes me uh, cry out for mercy. Okay, I'm done. I give up. Uh, you win normally. Paul says, I can't do that. But that's what this thorn in the flesh does. It pummels him or buffets him. And if I was a country western singer, I would sing, uh, you rip my heart out of my chest and stomp that sucker flat. Now, I don't know, maybe somebody already has sung that, I don't know. Maybe I heard that someplace. Uh, but that's what Paul was going through here. Uh, the thorn in the flesh. And some, thing, uh, some people think, well, it could have been the external opposition. And he certainly has had plenty of that. And he goes in and he mentions that in this passage. Uh, lots of external opposition to him. They were out to kill him, and he realized that. It could have been a physical disability, which is really what I think it is, because he mentions in several places that uh, he had to write large. He wrote it in my own hand. That's why it is large. Why was it large? I think it was because he had um, his poor eyesight. And so that, that buffeted him through his ministry. It could have been uh, headaches. Somebody mentioned that. Some mentioned malaria. Some mentioned epilepsy. Uh, we know he wasn't married, so they can cross that thorn uh, off. <laughs> Which, though, we might laugh at that, but really, that is a very, that's real for us, right? That uh, often God will give us uh, a spouse that will keep us as he says here, lest I should be exalted above measure, uh, he gave me a spouse. And that's a, a good thing. Paul says this is a good thing. Lest I believe everything people say about me, or at least say to my face, uh, he's given me a spouse. And that is a good thing. So we see uh, he prays that it might be removed it's a source of thrust, uh, frustration, so he prays for three times. He says, pray three times here uh, that it might be removed. It, verse 8, for this thing I besought the Lord three times that it might depart from me. So does that mean that we are to stop praying after three times? Uh, we'll look at that as we, as we see a, a picture of prayer here in this pain. But uh, yeah, it might be that he's just saying, if using a figure of speech, I, pre I prayed for it to be removed three times. Then maybe he changed his prayer. Maybe it became a thank you, Jesus, for this thorn in the flesh. Thank you. Maybe he just changed it after three times. Maybe he was thinking about Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. Three times he prays. Let this cup pass from me. And then he concludes, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That might have been what he was doing. So we see this picture of pain. Verse 7 also says there's some producers 
of pain. And one of these is mentioned here. I'm going to, what produces pain? Now, all of these don't come here, although they could be drawn from this passage. Uh, producers of pain. What causes pain in your life? What produces that pain? Uh, the first one is sin. Because that began in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve sinned, pain came upon all men. Death is what he uses. Death came upon man. And, uh, and death by sin there. And so sin caused, causes pain. There's always a consequence for sin. Now, when we do it especially, but there's a consequence for sin when somebody else does it, and it can be a consequence that we experience. We are experiencing the consequence of Adam's sin, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But then we join right in, and we do our parts, and there are always consequences for sin. Sin, uh, we, we like to think that when we sow our wild oats, then we will have a crop failure, but it it doesn't happen that way, does it? Uh, we sow wild oats, and there is a consequence. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. There is consequence for sin. And we all know, I mean, when we get a little older, we begin to realize there are con I hear our kids say, there are, there's going to be some consequences. Uh, when we were, we never talked of consequences with our kids. We didn't say there were going to be consequences. We didn't know what consequences really were. Our kids knew that there was going to be consequences, even though we didn't mention that word. We said, you're going to get paddled when you get home. Uh, so they knew that word, a consequence, kind of a big word. But our little grandkids know what consequence means. There are consequences for sin. The way of the transgressor, and I say this often, the way of the transgressor is hard. Hard, 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 hard. And every week I run into people that are going through and experiencing hard consequences for sin. And they realize it is hard. But sometimes it just has to get harder and harder and harder until they finally cry out. And, you know, they, they really want to come back to God. Just not that serious. Someday, just not now, until the consequences of sin get hard enough to almost force them to come back to Jesus Christ. Uh, the world is filled with sin, and it's filled with pain, and it's filled, and that's, sometimes I say, you're in a world of hurt. The world is filled with hurt. So sin causes pain. Because of Adam. And we need to deal with that sin. That's salvation. Jesus dealt with your sin. We need to bring our sin to Jesus Christ. Because that's why he hung on the cross. And so he does that. Uh, sinners cause pain. Number two. Sinners cause pain. Uh, and I'm not just talking about the evil sinners. Sometimes, sometimes we classify. I, I'm not talking about that the, the fact that there are less than two 
or a child is molested every two minutes or less in the United States. Evil, wicked men. So sinners cause pain. But I'm talking about us. Yes, we are, we are sinners saved by grace, but we are still sinners. And we can cause pain. Just read the book of James with our tongues. We can, we can burn it like fire. Or we can, in Proverbs, we can slash with our tongues like a sword and bring about pain. So sinners uh, can cause pain. And when we cause pain, there is a solution. We ask God to forgive us, and then we ask the people that we have, we have cut or caused pain to forgive us as well. So sin causes pain. Sinners cause pain. Strengthening causes pain. Um, I don't know if you have a workout regimen that you follow, but if you do, you know that strengthening causes pain. You finish your workout or you finish your long run, you, you get done and you don't feel so bad, and the next morning you crawl out of bed and ah, there it is, pain meeting you at the edge of the bed. Strengthening. This is what Paul is talking about here in verse 7. Uh, it is strengthens him to go through this pain. Uh, we get stronger when we go through spiritual pain, don't we? I mean, maybe it's refusing to lie when it would be a lot more convenient and a lot less embarrassing if we just told a little untruth, a lie. But we, don't, we do not become stronger by telling a lie. We become weaker. We're going to be challenged to do that more often the next time. If it works this time, maybe it'll work the next time as well. Uh, obeying God when it hurts strengthens us. When there is pain involved, it strengthens us. Uh, speaking up when, for what is right, when we would sooner duck our heads and hope we're not noticed and walk away. Uh, when we feel that we will be shamed or we will be canceled because of what we might say, uh, because it's not politically correct to talk about uh, abortion as being murder or being sin, to talk about uh, sexual fluidity, as you know, God created us, male and female, to talk about marriage between one man and, and one woman. Uh, when, we, when we feel the pressure, and we are pressured not to say anything today, about those things. Let the world say what they may, but we will not speak up. Then that's yielding, and we need to be strengthened. Speak up, we're stronger. Uh, it, uh, even for Christ, it tells us that Jesus was made perfect in Hebrews 2, or mature through suffering, through pain, and we will be as well. So there's sin, there's sinners, there's strengthening, there's sovereign watch care. And Paul is saying, God looked down and knew what was going to be good for me. Now, do you believe that in your own life? In whatever you're going through? Do you believe that God is sovereign? And he is watching and he knows what you're going through? And he thinks that this is good for you to go through what you're going through. It was good for Paul. 
lest I be exalted, I was given a, th a thorn in the flesh. So sovereign watch care. God knows just what you need. God knows just what I need. If he needs for, if he wants, if he knows I need my knees to go out or to, to have a heart attack along the trail or to have a heart attack behind the pulpit, and that would be, I'd like to watch that as I go just to see the effects of you guys uh, here in the auditorium. It might be traumatic maybe for, for some, but he allows me to hurt because he knows it's going to be good for me in some way. Jacob walked with a limp the rest of his life following the night that he wrestled with Jesus. And it was a daily reminder that he was changed, that God changed his name from Jacob, meaning deceiver, to Israel, meaning prince, and that he better live like it. A daily reminder of limping along. And maybe that's what he gives us. Daily reminders. Uh, the, the arthritis in my fingers. Daily reminders that uh, I belong to Jesus. So, uh, and I've mentioned this before, but dad suffered in, with a bad back all of his life following uh, when he was breaking the neighbor's horse and he lit on a post with he was thrown and, and broke his back six months, laying in bed, looking up to Christ. And, and it changed his life. He changed from a teacher, rancher, to a preacher. And furnace man, and bus driver, and carpenter, and all of these other things that had, he had to do because he became a preacher of small churches. And so God knew that that was best for him. And he thanked God for that. A mom and dad both thank God that they lost their first child, Darlene, little girl, because uh, it changed their heart towards God. They weren't even they weren't attending church. They were believers. They were too busy. They were going to uh, uh, teachers' college in Spearfish, South Dakota, and they experienced real pain when that happened. But God knew what they needed. Mom and dad thanked God the rest of their lives for that and waited to see her and now are with her in glory. There's one last thing that brings about pain. You know what it is? Well, I know at least maybe half of us here, maybe, maybe not half of us here, but some of us here Stricken in years. It, it began with an S, and it's actually biblical. You know, so there's the sin and sinners and uh, all of these. Other, but stricken in years. Too many birthdays. Brings pain, doesn't it? Uh, at least I'm finding that. And, and I, I spend a lot of time with others. You know, old injuries, old joints, old operations. Uh, our bodies just don't work without a lot of pain anymore. Uh, we spent, uh, we had Jack and Jane Anderson to our house this last week uh, for lunch. And I was waiting for them as they got out of their car by the garage. We were going to get them into the house. And most, uh, some of you know Jack and Jane. They still consider this their church. 
having a hard time finding one down in Minnetonka. But uh, Jack got out of the car, and it just took him a while, and he got out of the car, and, and I took him by the arm, and, you know, when we knew Jack, and that was just a few years ago, Jack was a, of course, he's a, a marathoner in his younger years, but it just slowed down, and he says, it just takes a lot longer now to get going, and uh, it's because we get stricken in years. That causes pain, and that's the picture that Paul paints for us, stricken in years, uh, with the thorn or, or uh, the point poking into you all the time and being buffeted all of the time. The prayer for pain, there are three prayers, and they are really kind of expressed here in verse 8. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. I think the first prayer for pain is, let it depart from me and escape. I kind of call it an aspirin or ibuprofen pain, uh, pain here, prayer. An ibuprofen prayer. Lord, I, I don't want to suffer pain. Uh, I'm, a, I, I'm a wuss when it comes to pain. I, I don't like this, so take it from me. Uh, remove this pain. That's what Paul prayed. Remove this thorn. Let this cup pass from me. And so it's all right to pray that. That, that can be the, the very first prayer. And maybe your first three prayers. Or maybe a bunch more prayers. Let this pain pass from me. That's the, to escape suffering. The second kind of prayer is to endure suffering. Endure the pain. Give me strength, Lord, to endure this pain. Paul prays that all of the time. Let me endure this pain. But see, what Paul gets across to me in this passage is that that pain is not all that bad. Sometimes we think pain is the worst thing in the world that could happen to me. A sickness. The worst thing in the world would be for me to get sick. The worst thing in the world for me is to be in an accident. But Paul is not saying that. Uh, he is letting us know that this wasn't the worst thing in the world. I, rem I don't remember what it was. Maybe it was um, uh, an advertisement for Musilex or, or uh, oat brand or uh, tree bark or whatever it was. But it says, if you have your health, you have everything. Not. Not, no. There are a lot of healthy people that are missing eternity in heaven. They will have eternity, just not in heaven. So the most important things are not our physical health. Now, that is good. And I'm, uh, you know, if I really thought that physical health was the most important thing, then I probably would be maybe a vegetarian. I don't know. I think that that's probably healthier. I know... Uh, uh, chocolate would be off the list for me. A lot of other things would be off the list for me um, if I thought that was most important. But it's the spiritual things that are most important. And so uh, to endure, so three prayers. First is escape suffering. Then to endure suffering. 
And the last one is to use suffering to give God glory. Wow. Uh, that's, uh, our, uh, and I see that happen with a number of our people. They're giving glory. Uh, I remember being with a, one in our church family in the hospital, and a nurse came in, and, and he began to share Jesus Christ with that nurse. In fact, he was doing it before I even got in there. He's talking to the nurse, talking to her about uh, Jesus and, and how he's so thankful that, that God is in charge and in control to use suffering to give God glory. And that's what Paul is saying in verse 9. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. That was, I'll help you get through, endure the suffering. But not only that, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And now Paul, that was quoting Christ. Now Paul says, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I want people to see in my infirmity that I am strong in Christ and give him the glory. It becomes a, a platform for witness. I know that some of you are going through cancer, are using cancer as a platform to witness to others that are going through cancer. And some of you do that as you sit there in chemo treatments and you sit with a bunch of other people and you're sharing Jesus Christ or you're singing songs and you're witnessing or you're just expressing your love for them. There are a lot of lessons that our pain and our suffering can, can be used to, to reach the lost, bring glory to God. The... Uh, so, so how do we pray? Does it bring God glory? And here is why we can pray when we get sick. And we can be grateful for it. We can thank God for it. Paul does it here. Verse 7, something I didn't catch in other times that I've looked at that. Here it says uh, in verse 7, there was given to me, given to me. Do you know who he's referring to? This is a gift. So if we're going to give God glory, we will bring him glory if we look at our pain as a gift from God. How often do you do that? How often do you say, thank you, Lord, for this cold? Thank you, Lord, for these achy joints? Thank you, Lord, for this accident. Thank you, Lord. It is given to us. It was given to me, Paul says, a gift. And it's a good gift because it comes from above, right? And every good gift cometh down from above. It just doesn't look like it very often. And I reread a story of a, of a young man. His dad died. His mama died earlier, and his dad died. And his brother, his younger brother, to make it worse, received the house and received the bank account, and all he received was a box of memorabilia. And he was hurt as he left the, when the will was read, and he, he walked out of the lawyer's office with this box of memorabilia. He was hurt, stunned, angry at his brother even, no longer was going to speak to his brother at all. And he, 
he went and, and he was broke. And as he was cleaning out his apartment, which he could no longer afford to live in, he ran across this box of memorabilia and something prompted him just to sit down on the bed and to look through it. And he started going through it and here were letters that, that, uh, that he, he had written to his parents, saved in there. There were other letters, letters that mom and dad, and by the, as he was reading this material, he began just to sob and, and uh, and even about his brother, he realized that he couldn't be living like this anymore. And he's just going through this, and he gets down to the last level of this box. And what are these? Stocks and bonds. And when he finally got it all settled, it was hundreds of thousands of dollars that he had, and he thought it was junk. In fact, he was angry. At that we look at our pain and sometimes we can get angry. We can call it junk. Why me, Lord? Why me? And yet it's just because we do not know what good looks like all the time. And we do not always say thank you. So how do we bring God glory? Receive it as a gift from God. You know, verse 7 says, the devil inflicted it, but God used it. And God often uses the devil to do uh, his bidding, doesn't he? Uh, in our lives. And again, the wicked landlord that heard uh, the widow uh, in the hall as he was walking through, through the, the paper-thin walls, he heard this widow say, dear God, I have no food. Please send some food for me. Please send some food for me. And the, the landlord laughs and says, she's a fool because she believes in a God. You can only put your trust in men. And he got an idea. I'm going to go buy her some groceries and show her that God's not going to do it. I will, or men must do it. So he went, and he bought a box of groceries, and he got so excited about teaching her this lesson that she can only rely on men that she, he wound up buying three boxes of groceries. And he comes, and he lays, puts them all down in front of her door and knocks on the door, runs around the corner. She comes to the door, and, and she opens the door. She sees all these groceries, and she says, Thank you, Jesus, for bringing me groceries. And he runs around the corner with a big smile on his face. And, and you foolish old lady, there's no God. There's, uh, Jesus isn't here anymore. I bought those groceries. You have to trust men, people. There's no such thing as God. She looks up to heaven and says, thank you, God, for sending me groceries, even if you use the devil to bring them. Uh, sometimes God uses God uses the devil, doesn't he? Listen to these words. Uh, All the way my Savior leads me, what have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercy, who through life has been my guide? Heavenly peace, divinest comfort, here by faith in him to dwell. For I know whate'er befalls me, Jesus doeth all things well. You believe that? The author did. The author was Fanny Crosby. 
blind almost all her life. She believed that it was a gift from God, her blindness. So uh, you can become bitter or you can get better. You can see bitterness or you can see beauty. So how are you handling your pain? An old-time preacher, Pastor Truett, said that there was a large man, used this, a large man in his church who lost his wife and was left with a little, their little daughter. And uh, his wife always, always sat with the daughter every night before putting her to bed and would hold her, rock her, read her a story, sing her a song, and pray, and then put her to bed. That night, when they came back from the burial, uh, he held her in his lap, rocked her, read a Bible story, sang a song, prayed with her, and then put her to bed. As he was putting her to bed, she said, Please, Daddy, it's so dark in here. Will you hold me till I fall asleep? And so he did. And he put her to bed when she was asleep. He went into his bedroom and said, Dear Jesus, it's so dark in here. Will you hold me till I fall asleep? And he did. And that's what Jesus wants to do for us when we're going through pain. Just hold us till we fall asleep. But he won't. If he's not your Savior, he can't. Because you've rejected him. So your opportunity this morning is to come to Jesus Christ. Let him help you in your pain because you're going to have pain if you don't already. And so much greater to know it's a gift from a God that loves you, gave his son for you, and to have you walk away from him as he stretches his arms would be terrible. Don't leave Jesus. Don't turn your back on him. Let's pray. Father, you know the hearts of all of us. And you know that we're going through pain or we will go through pain. And sometimes it's physical and sometimes it's emotional. And oftentimes the emotional pain is worse than the physical pain. Lord, might we see that pain comes from you. And thank you for it. And that you will give it, get, it through, get us through it. Or maybe you will remove it, which all of us would sooner have. But we say thank you, Jesus, for what you present, what you give to us each day. I pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.